Hi there, welcome to Glenlyden Baptist Church's podcast network. We're glad you can join us today. If you'd like more information on the church, please visit us on our website, www.gebc.org.nz. We hope you enjoy the pod. It's all good. You know, um, there's a question that sometimes people ask that is the question that I hate the most in life. And this question happens whenever I go to a store. And let's just say it's Helen Stein's down in New Lynn. Maybe I'm going into Helen Stein's and, and I'm going in and I'm looking maybe for a, a T-shirt or a new shirt or a pair of trousers. And, you know, the, uh, the shopkeeper or attendant will come across and Stand at a little bit of distance, probably stand a little sideways, look over at you like this, like they're a little bit nervous, and they go, how can I help you? I hate that question. That, is, that question is the reason why I don't buy anything in stores. They don't understand the psyche of their customer, right? Why am I in the store? Well, mostly, and probably for most of you, I'm in the store because I need to buy something new that looks good on me. And when it looks good on me, I'm going to feel good about myself, at least for a little while, right? This is why I'm buying something. So if the shopkeeper knew that, they would come up to me and their approach would be different. Their approach might... This sounds like a sales conference, right? Their approach would be, wow. That T-shirt would look fantastic on you. That is the perfect color for your eyes. And might I suggest at the same time that this pair of jeans here would fit beautifully with that? We also have a few shoes over here and they match beautifully with these jeans. I can set you up with the whole thing. You're going to look great. Now that would speak to the need that I have, right? And I would maybe start to feel good about myself. And I might even spend a dollar in that store. Now you come to church, oh, it goes quiet, what's he going to say now? You come to church, right? And it's my hope that when you come to church, that your expectation coming to church is that you have come because you want to meet with the living God. You want to experience his presence here today. You want, to, you want God to speak into your life. Maybe you've come and you're sitting with something and you go, God, I need all the help I can get today. And I'm here because I need that help. I hope that's why you're here. And then I might come up and ask you, so, and this, this, I've, I've come this week to hate this question. How are you doing with Jesus? You know, that's as useless a question as how can I help you? Because when I go, how can I help you? When someone says that, I go, no, thank you. If I go, how are you doing with Jesus? You can fumble that one away. Oh, I'm doing fine, thank you. I'm doing okay. But I got a new question. <laughs> I got a new question. The new question is, how are you doing in your personal prayer life with God? Because the answer to that question tells me everything about how you're doing with God. It tells me everything. How's your prayer life? You're sitting there silently. I'm not going to answer that one again. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Look, are you passionate about the church? Okay. 
Are you passionate about the church being the vehicle for God's gospel into this world? Maybe that's a question, or maybe that's something you're feeling you want to be passionate about this year. Maybe you're asking the question, why does it seem like God passes me over when others are seeing miracles? How's your prayer life? Maybe you've got family members that need to find Jesus. Maybe you've got children that are walking in the wrong direction. Maybe you've got young kids who don't want to be at church. How's your prayer life? I've had a reawakening this week. As I've been studying prayer and trying to put the next two weeks together. And I've come to realize in this reawakening that I've actually for a while, have underestimated the power and importance of prayer in my life. I've got lazy. I'm being honest with you. And, and I figured out that in this laziness, that the biggest loser when I fail to pray is me. And the biggest loser when we fail to pray is you. I put the statement together this week. Prayer is the underlying power to all that happens spiritually in our lives. The lack of it in our lives will have, listen carefully, the lack of it will have severe consequences in your life. And the practice of an active prayer life will have dramatic power in your life. The lack of it will bring consequences. An act of prayer life will bring power into your life. So this is the first of a two-week series on prayer. Jesus said some astonishing things about prayer. I'm going to read a whole bunch of Bible verses. And as I read these Bible verses, I want you to listen in really carefully and see if you can pick up the promises that are sitting in these verses, all right? Are you ready? Have you readied your mind and your ears? Here we go. We're going to start with Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 through to 11, and then Luke 11 through 9 through to 13. So Matthew first, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, well, the door will be opened. Luke chapter 11. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give a good gift to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Matthew 18, 19 to 20. Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. Mark chapter 11 verses 22 to 25. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go and throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. 
And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. John chapter 14, verse 13 to 14. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. John 15, 7. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And the last verse I want to share with you, John 16, 23 to 24. In that day you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly I will tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now you have not asked for anything in my name. So ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Does it make you want to pray? <laughs> or does it raise some questions for you? Listen to the list of promises. Did you pick up on all of these? If two of you agree about anything you ask for, it's going to be done. If you believe you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it's yours. I will do whatever you ask in my name. You ask me for anything in my name and I'll do it. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father will give whatever you ask in my name. Now, if you did have a question, your question might be this. Well, he hasn't answered my prayers. Ooh, that resonates, doesn't it? He hasn't answered my prayers. Okay, spoiler for next week. We're going to deal with that next week. I'm not going to give you an answer there right now, because it's a far bigger question than what I need to answer today. But we're going to answer that one next week for you. Today we're talking about the power of prayer. The power of prayer. There's a book written called The Point Man by Steve Farrier. And he tells stories of <clears throat> men who have prayed in faith. And he tells a story, one of the stories, about a guy called George McCluskey. When McCluskey married and started a family, he decided to invest one hour a day in prayer. Because he wanted his children to follow Jesus. After a time, he expanded his prayers to include his grandchildren and his great-grandchildren. So every day between 11 and 12, he prayed for three generations. As the years went by, his two daughters committed their lives to Jesus. And they married men who went into full-time ministry. The two couples produced Four girls and one boy. Each of the girls married a pastor, and the boy became a pastor. The first two children born to this generation were both boys. Upon graduation from high school, the two cousins chose the same college and became roommates. During um, their first year, one boy decided to go into ministry, and the other did not. Maybe he felt the pressure from his family to go down that line, but he chose a different way to go instead. He chose to do psychology. He earned his doctorate in psychology and eventually wrote books for parents that became best time sellers. He started a radio program heard by more than a thousand radio stations every single day. His name was James Dobson. Through his prayers, George McCluskey affected far more than one family. I want you to understand as we begin this two week series on prayer, just that there is power in prayer. 
Now, I want you to have some understandings. We're going to talk about three understandings. We'll get through these quickly. But three understandings I want you to put in place before we go into next week. The first one is this. Prayer involves a personal relationship with God. No kidding. That's right. From the very beginning, God created us for relationship. Genesis 1.26, and God said, Let us make mankind in our image and in our likeness. And then in Genesis 3.8, Then the man and his wife, they heard the sound. They could hear the sound of the Lord God as he's walking through the garden in the cool of the night. They had a relationship with God the Father. He walked with them in the cool of the night in the garden. This is a relational God. He created us for this relationship. However, if you've been reading your Bibles, you'll know that uh, the story took a twist. The first man and woman, Adam and Eve, they broke that relationship and they brought distance between us and God. But God put a relationship restoration plan in place. And if you read John chapter 1, verse 14, you, you read that the Word became flesh. The Word is Jesus Christ. It's God Himself became flesh and made His dwelling amongst us. He tabernacled with us. He lived with us. And His Son came to prove that He was the Messiah. He was the Christ. And that He was Lord. And it's through the Son that we can have this restored relationship with God. So in order to have, first of all, if you're going to have an effective prayer life, if prayer is going to have any power in your life whatsoever, you must have this relationship with God, or at least a restored relationship with God. This is your lifeline. And I'll tell you right now, the last thing you want to do in your life is let go of that lifeline. Never, 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 never let go of Jesus Christ. Never let go. Because prayer involves a personal relationship with God. First understanding. Second understanding. Prayer shows your devotion to God. There's no better gauge of spiritual maturity than your secret devotion to God in prayer. I don't care how long you've walked with Jesus, how long you've called on His name. I, if you have no secret devotion to God in prayer, then you remain in a stage of immaturity. Your prayers will sink to the place of being like a ritual because you think you have to. They become mechanical. They probably become repetitious. Your appetite for God's Word will dwindle. Your desire to gather and to be with others who love Jesus will be lost. You'll have no burden for those who don't know Jesus. You'll be infatuated with the pleasures of the world instead of the relationship with God. The people without a private prayer life, they lack power in their life. We know that Jesus showed his devotion to God, don't we? Listen to this little story. 
You know it well, but here it is. Mark 1.32. When evening came after the, the sun had set, the crowds began bringing to Jesus all who were ill and those who were demon-possessed. Well, the whole city gathered at the door of the house, and he healed many who were ill with various diseases, and he cast out demons. He was not permitting the demons to speak because they knew who he was. What a day. Just a little day in the life of Jesus. The whole city came in for prayer and to be healed. You'd think after all of that, it'd be time for Jesus to catch his breath, catch a little Netflix series, have a little lime milkshake on the side, just chill out after all the hard work. But no, I want you to notice what Jesus did on Mark chapter 1, verse 35. It's early in the morning. It's still dark. Jesus gets up. He leaves the house and he goes to a secluded place and begins to pray. Jesus had an intense longing for intimate, sweet fellowship with God, his Father. He was totally dependent on God. Are you? When you've truly tasted of God, when you've experienced the inexpressible joy of being in His presence and have experienced His power in your life, don't you want more? Isn't it addictive? Don't you remember that first time you came to Jesus? And some of you have lost that first love, but that first experience... You're still holding on to that, right? Because it's so good, it's so sweet, it's so amazing. Because when you've tasted and seen, you want more. Yeah? Oh, there's no substitute for God. You're never satisfied once you've tasted Him. That's why David declared in Psalm 34, 8, he goes, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, man. Prayer requires a personal relationship with God. And the second understanding, prayer shows our devotion to God. The last understanding we want to put in place today is prayer seeks a divine response. There's approximately, depending on what Bible you read, version, there's 650 prayers recorded in the Bible. There's some 450 recorded answers to those prayers in the Bible. You know, whole communities have been changed by one person's prayer. Nations have been changed by a few people coming together in prayer. Lives have been turned around by just one person praying for someone else. Every time I go to Fiji... And I go to my second family in Fiji and I stay with them, not in a hotel on a beach, but when I stay with them in their community. Five o'clock every morning, they get up. The instruments come out and they begin to worship and pray. And when I'm there, they expect me to teach them at five o'clock in the morning. It's a good thing I'm a morning person. Some of you would be going, oh my goodness, no. 
But they get up and they pray every morning at 5 o'clock. And this goes for a couple of hours. And then sometimes we'll get up at 5 o'clock and whether it's in Latoka or whether it's in Nandi, we'll walk up to a mountaintop and we'll look over the city and we'll pray for a couple of hours for God to move. And you know what? When you go into a country that's a, a little more third world, you, you see God move, don't you? You see things and you go, why doesn't that happen at home? And, and you see people healed. You see miraculous things happen in church. I remember I was in this church in, in, in Nandi, and an Indian man carried a woman into the service who could not walk. She was so sick. And while the worship was happening, she stood and began to walk and began to praise Jesus. And I go, man, there's something about getting up at five in the morning and praying for two hours every day and expecting God to move. Prayer seeks a divine response. Mm. When you have a relationship and you're dedicated to praying, then expect to see God move. Expect to see Him move. There's a few things I want to leave you with right here. Ephesians 6, 18. I've got this on my wall in my, in my office. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions and with all kinds of prayers and requests. Paul explains here that we are to pray on all occasions. Not just when we think we need God, but we need Him all the time. Good and bad. Difficult and easy. Crying or laughing pray on all occasions. Our lives depend on our communication with God. Prayer is not something you learn. It's something you do. Prayer teaches us to be entirely dependent upon God. I reckon if we prayed more, we would focus more on spiritual needs rather than material needs. There's no substitute for contact with God in this world. Powerful people, powerful churches, are praying people, are praying churches. There's no greater power on earth than prayer. God is your heavenly Father. He wants to hear from you. He made you for that relationship. And He promises to answer your prayers. But as you pray... He will also provide you with guidance and spiritual strength. So then you go, how do we pray, Pastor? How do we pray? Prayer is like talking to God. It doesn't have to be poetic. It doesn't have to be a master-minded thing. It doesn't have to be perfectly worded. Just pray from your heart. Share your concerns, your hopes, your dreams with God. Prayer, you see, is the portal through which the Holy Spirit has allowed access into your heart and mind. And through that, you get God's guidance and direction in your life. But it begins with that simple act of communication. Be completely honest with God. After all, He already knows your heart anyway, right? <laughs> he knows your motives. He knows your thoughts. He knows your sins. He knows your struggles. He fully understands the pain that we go through. 
Let me leave you with this verse, Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 to 16. For do we not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness? No, we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Listen, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You can come before the throne of God with all the confidence in this world when you have that personal relationship with Jesus. When you're devoted to Him, you can come into that grace throne room and expect a divine response. Isn't that the best news? We are going to finish today by praying. That makes sense. <laughs> but I'm not going to pray from the front. You're going to pray for each other. All right? So you're just going to gather with the person next to you. I don't want anyone on their own. I want someone to be praying for somebody somewhere. Nobody alone, okay? And you can drop something into that person's lap and say, look, I need you to pray for this right now, to be honest, and let them pray for you. If there's nothing, let the Spirit guide you. But let's just start praying. Go for it. I'll break us up at the end. Thanks again for joining with us today. If you'd like to know more information on the church or reach out to one of the pastors, please visit our website, www.gebc.org.nz. Hope you have a great day.